0: It's rare we ever spend, uh, what will amount to 10 weeks, including an introductory message on two verses of the Bible. But we are looking at the spiritual fruit, the nine spiritual fruit found in Galatians chapter 5. And uh, we're coming to the third one now, and that's peace. Peace. There is, as you know, a peace deficit in our world. Um, For many, many people in our own society, relationships are not working. Uh, Anxiety is through the roof. And uh, one of the inconvenient facts is that nations of the world now possess enough nuclear and biological weapons to wipe out humanity several times over. Uh, Peace is the big issue. And here's what Paul writes in Galatians chapter five, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of what God does, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. Those two we've covered. And today, it is also peace. The fruit of people hearing and responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ is peace. And then... Each week we've been reading what Paul says two or three verses later in verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, and we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's keep in step with what the Holy Spirit is doing. Let's keep in step. That means that peace can step into your classroom or your workplace with you tomorrow. Peace can go with you to that doctor's appointment later this week. Peace can step into your marriage or your conflict with your roommates. Yes, I know those things happen. I had them. He can step into your friendships. Let's keep in step with the Holy Spirit. It means that the fruit of the Spirit of peace can step with you into every dimension of your life this this week. Peace can hold you through grief and through loss. It can carry with you peace, the concerns you have for your loved ones and other people in your life. Peace can be there in spite of and even in defiance of the stress you're gonna be experiencing at work this week. Peace keeps in step with us because we can keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Peace wants to walk with you and hold you and make all the difference in your life. Now the word peace in the New Testament, Paul's of course writing here in the Greek language, the definition goes two different directions. uh, But they're not hard to understand. First of all, it it, it speaks of a harmony that we have in relationships with others. That instead of a lot of bitterness and anger and fighting, uh, we actually like each other and get along with each other. That's one of the things peace does. It helps us have good relationships with the people around us. That's where we're gonna start today. And then peace also means, in the core definition of the word, Freedom from worry. Could you imagine a life that's free of worry? <laughs> so it goes those two directions. We're gonna go those two directions. We're gonna talk about them. We're gonna to respond to each one of those two directions in, in prayer. I wanna just lead you in a prayer response to those. And then, and then it's all gonna to come together in terms of peace with God as we come to the table of the Lord. And this is where it all, everything meets together here. So the outline is very easy. Peace with others and peace within ourselves and peace with God. So let's start with peace with others. Now, when, when Paul writes the fruit of the Holy Spirit is peace, he's not telling us, are we talking about peace in our relationships or are we talking about freedom from worry? Uh, it, it really is all the above. And in our relationship, peace with others, this is where it starts. Now, I I sometimes follow a Christian satire publication called The Babylon Bee, and it pokes fun at churches like us and people like us, as well as politicians and all of this. Recently, recently they came out with something, kind of poking fun at some of us who are husbands. Specifically, what to say when your wife's mad at you And they suggested you begin by calmly explaining to her that she's being totally irrational. As a result, she will admire you for your clear thinking. Mm -hmm. It's never worked for me, but that's what they're suggesting. I love you, Sandy, sitting on the front row. Or, Ask her what you did to make her mad. She'll be thrilled that you did it? No. <laughs> and will gladly inform you in clear and concise language. Or, maybe this will work. Crack a joke just to lighten the mood. She's mad at you because a good, wise crack is exactly what she probably needs right now. Or if none of that works, tell her that she is acting just like her mother. (laughs) Or better yet, tell her she's acting like your mother. She'll (laughs) like that even better. Or if all fails, just say Chick-fil-A. It's amazing what can happen in a relationship when you're in a drive-through line through Chick-fil-A. So let me now appoint you to how, you, how peace really does work in a relationship. It's a brilliant three-sentence little paragraph found in Romans chapter 12. And, and here Paul tells us how to give place to the working of God's spirit to cultivate peace in relationships. It could be very tense and very uh, difficult. I mean, this is great advice for dealing with the difficult people in your life. I mean, the peace of God is gonna make a difference in terms of how you get along with the difficult people in your life. And so he writes this, do not repay anyone evil for evil. That's sentence number one. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Second sentence, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. Third sentence. And I love the fact in this third sentence there's two qualifying phrases. I've often thanked the Lord that it starts with two qualifying phrases. If it's possible, and as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And we're not gonna be able to live at peace with everyone. That's why I like the two qualifying phrases. If it's at all possible. And and as much as it's up, as much as it depends on you, do what you can to live at peace. These are ways we give place to the Holy Spirit. Those three sentences: don't repay evil for evil, do what's right in the eyes of everyone, and to whatever degree is possible, live at peace with everyone. Um, here's how I would paraphrase those three sentences. First of all. If we're going to give place to the peace of the Holy Spirit, we need to let Jesus take care of getting even. That's not our job. He said, don't repay evil for evil. In other words, if somebody hurts you, the way to working through the trauma of that, the way to working through your personal hurt is not by hurting the person back. Retaliation is never the pathway to personal health. And I know it can feel very unjust. I mean, someone was just sharing with me just a few weeks ago, how how they, in an organization, got really hurt. Probably somebody, there was a leader who was emotionally abusive. And, And they said, sometimes it can feel really unfair, like it's up to me, the victim, to make everything right. And it, it, I, I wish it was easy. In our broken world, none of us should get hurt by other people, but the fact is, every one of us have been hurt by other people. And it takes work to refuse to live for the rest of our life like somebody's victim and work past the pain. It takes work to come back to the place of health. And, and it can feel unjust, it can feel unfair, because I gotta do all the work to recover and the abuser just seems to be left where they are. But the fact is, this is the core idea of forgiveness. This is why Jesus constantly called us to forgive. Because when you forgive, you're right, giving up the right to get even. That's, you may have to do a lot of other hard work to come back to health from personal hurt. But, but you do not have the pressure on you to balance the scales of justice and get even. If someone's done evil to you, you do not pay back with evil. That will leave you in a ditch, emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually. You know you need to be free from what they did. So when you forgive, you renounce the power of past events over who you are today. that's That's where it comes. And then to really tell the rest of the story, in the next few verses, Paul will say, because judgment belongs to God, Who quote out of Deuteronomy, where where God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. God's got a way. Listen, we we need to, if you've been really hurt, and yet you're pursuing peace in your life, uh, in relationships, you you don't start by getting even. Let Jesus get even. He knows how to take care of people. He knows how to do that. And then secondly, be considerate of how your words and actions affect others. That, That was that second sentence that do what's right in the eyes of everyone. You read that and you say, well, am I supposed to be some kind of people pleaser? And the answer is no. You know, it's a very frustrating to live just pleasing people. We live pleasing the Lord. Sometimes that won't please people. He's not talking about being a people pleaser, but he is talking about what we would today call emotional intelligence. That we have a little bit of a sense, that, that we do the work. He said, be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. In other words, we do the work of being considerate of how our words and actions may affect others because our words and actions always affect others. And so we wanna think about this. like, be careful about this. Like, if I say these things, how, how's it gonna affect the person beside me? And, and is it the kind of effect I wanna have? And it may have to be a corrective word. It may have to be a confrontive word. But sometimes, you know, we just sort of leave dead bodies in our trail. Like, we, we, we just, you know, we just, ah, who cares? And nobody's gonna tell me what to do. I can do whatever I want. And we realize that eventually people are impacted very negatively by the choices we make. Because you never say a word or make a choice without it affecting somebody. I remember a few years ago sitting in a funeral and, and a pastor friend was sitting beside me. He was a generation or two younger than me. And he was kind of, and the pastor doing the funeral was incredibly gifted and he was doing a fantastic job in this funeral. And so my pastor friend was just started doing this running commentary but what he didn't realize is it was hurting my feelings. He was like, you know, you know you're okay but that guy's great. And it was true. And maybe I was being overly sensitive. But the fact is, I walked away from that conversation and I go, that guy has no clue about how what he says affects He couldn't put himself in my shoes, hear himself from my perspective, and realize that half of his comments were insults against me. And so we pay close attention. The Spirit of God can help us work hard to be careful, to to be considerate. He said, be careful to to do things um, that are right in the eyes of everyone, to build them up to do the right thing. So be considerate on how your words and actions affect others. And then that last great statement with, with the two if clauses. If it's possible, and as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Here's how I paraphrase that. Build relational bridges without forcing people to cross them. <laughs> You see, you can only do your part. You can't make somebody like you. You can't make somebody necessarily stop hurting you. You can report them to the authorities if it's physical abuse or something, or sexual abuse. You ought to do that. You you can do things to protect yourself, distance yourself, but you can't make people live at peace with you. You can influence them, but you can't make them. And so this is very freeing. He simply says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So in other words, I want to constantly be building relational bridges to people, but I can't force them to cross that bridge. I can just do my part. When you start taking responsibility for other people's decisions, feelings, and actions, then you're doing, you're, you're gonna take the oxygen out of the room, you're, 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 they're gonna feel controlled and manipulated, pushed, forced, And whenever any human beings in that situation, they're not drawn closer to you, they're gonna run from you. And so you don't force people across the relational bridges in your life. You don't say, well, if you don't like me, I'm gonna, and threaten them somehow. You don't do stuff like that. You do what you can to build bridges of peace to people. As far as it is within you, if possible, Paul says, do do your part to live at peace. But you can't force people. Sometimes Paul is saying, you can't make amends with everybody. He's just saying. I mean, with the spirit of God in you, you do your part. But it doesn't guarantee other people are going to have the right heart. And you can't force that in them. So here's what I want to do in the next moment. I'm going to invite you to a point of prayer. And I would like us just to surrender in this next moment all of the difficult people in our lives right There are people you wake up at 2.30 in the morning thinking about because of the way they hurt you. There are some people you're gonna go to work with tomorrow or sit beside in class. And they're just difficult. We're gonna pray by the grace of Jesus that he will help us be ministers of peace to them. And that somehow he'll help that cause to be greater than just the offense of our personal heart. And we're gonna surrender our hearts to him. Are you willing to do that? Will you do that? I just wanna invite you to pray right here with me before we go on. Father, today we thank you for people. We thank you for people who grow our character because they're just sometimes hard to get along with. We thank you, Lord, that your peace can override everything else, that it is the fruit of your spirit. And we just pray you'll fill us with the Holy Spirit this morning in the name of Jesus so we can live with peace in the name of the Lord. I pray, God, you'll help us to forgive where we're constantly haunted with the wrongs people have done to us. Keep us from from needing to get even. Get us over that, we pray. Just forgive any wrong attitudes in us. And then, Lord, we give you the people that have been difficult in our lives. We pray for their best. We pray that our words and actions will, 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 be the right, will impact them in the right kind of ways, in godly ways. And we pray, Lord, that we'll, we'll do our part, Lord, to try to build bridges and then leave it in your hands. And we just take those difficult people, Lord, and right now we just leave them in your hands in the name of Jesus. And I just pray peace into our marriages because of the way you can change our hearts. I pray peace into our relationships with the teams we work with in our jobs. I pray peace where we might be at conflict with some of our neighbors. I just pray in Jesus' name that your peace will triumph. Hallelujah. And you'll help us just to do these simple things to give place to your peace in Jesus' name. Amen to that? Okay. Now, The other definition of peace is freedom from worry. Wow, so here we go. We go now to Philippians chapter four. Freedom from worry. This is peace within ourselves, peace within ourselves. And Paul writes, don't be anxious about everything, anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the what, say it? Peace, The peace of God, because this is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. The peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, first of all, that last sentence. The peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. It'll guard. And you maybe heard that, that the word Paul uses here is really kind of a military word, but it's also a word that means to watch over in the way you would imprison someone. It could be used for that as well. And I'm imagining, what if I was imprisoned by peace? And that peace just kept watch over me so I would never get outside its bounds. That in my mind and in my heart, peace is standing guard over me, peace is even keeping me captive to itself. And he said, this is peace that transcends understanding. I've lost track of the number of times people have said to me, I went through this time, I grieved this loss, I got really hurt, my spouse died, I lost a child like, like, like my parents did, uh, losing a two-year-old son. Um, and they would say, we couldn't have made it without the Lord, but you know what? Deep down, I just had this peace. It was like God just helped me, held me. Someone recently said to me, going through a life-shattering experience, but I just feel like I've been in a bubble of peace that shouldn't be there. I can't explain it because it's from God. It's not from circumstances. And he says, the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will stand guard or hold captive your heart and mind in a protecting way by the peace of God. And then he's, and so, and so as a result, he says, so don't be anxious, don't worry about anything. Well, that, that immediately raises two questions to me. First of all, could that even be possible? I mean, how do you live without anxiety? The psychologist Robert Lee says, we live in the age of anxiety. We've become a nation of nervous wrecks. You know, my flight from London was canceled on Thursday and, and it was chaos at that gate. And Pastor Don and Deborah were with me, Colin and Sandy and you know what? You can't help but worry. I confess to worrying a little bit. And then Paul said, don't, don't worry about anything. I mean, how do you even live that way? Because we are a nation of nervous wrecks. This is our lifestyle to worry. The other question is could it even be possible? And it, the other question besides could it even be possible is could it be that simple? Could it be that simple? And here's how Paul does it, three just simple little phrases. He said don't worry about everything, anything, but in every situation, that, first of all, that, in every situation, Now, if there anything in your life is outside of every situation, uh, you have permission to worry about it. But I guarantee you, uh, pretty much everything falls under every situation. It just is. It's just kinda like wherever you go, that's where you'll be, right? I mean, it's just, it's every situation. So, everything's included. This is challenging. But this can be the triumph of the peace of God in our lives. In every situation where you're tempted to be anxious, in every one of those situations, second phrase. He said, by prayer and petition, make your requests known to God, by prayer and petition. This is prayer. So we respond not by just worrying. We don't respond by just panicking about every situation. But it seems so simple. But it's so powerful, prayer is inviting, it's yearning for the intervention of God in your life in every situation. And this is the privilege, prayer works, it's powerful. You yearn for Jesus' intervention in every situation. So you're tempted to worry, and instead you switch gears. And you go to a father who loves you. In fact, he says prayer and petition. Petition is something you would do with a king. Like you would plea. You'd make a plea. You'd petition a king. You are saying, Jesus, you're the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I belong to you. And so I petition you for the issue over which I would otherwise worry. And amazing things can happen that moment. It does remind me of the story, however, of the taxi driver and the preacher who ended up at the gates of heaven at the same time. The angel was checking them in and assigning them their lodging in heaven. And and the taxi driver got this big mansion near the middle of town, middle of heaven. And the preacher got this little shack on the outskirts of heaven. I mean, this is all supposedly. It's not theologically rigorous at all. But the preacher objects to the angel said, you know, the taxi driver, this how he drives people around, but I preach the gospel every week and I get the shack and he gets the mansion. And the angel says, well, this is, this is how it is up here in heaven. We're into results. The fact is, when you preached, people slept. But when he drove, people prayed. So it's big. You're going to worry about it. Good. We're into results here. Pray and petition like you belong to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And then do it with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. And that's like the rudder on this ship. Because thanksgiving is hard to live in unbelief when you're just constantly thankful for the goodness of God. And I have to, at times, and Paul will go on in the next couple of verses and say, you can edit your thoughts. He said, you choose to think on things that are praiseworthy and good and holy and righteous. And there are times where I have to just say to my mind, don't go there. Because my mind wants to go to all the worst possible outcomes when I got something to worry about. And instead, you counter it with praying instead of worrying And thanking God instead of kind of crumpling under the stress and pressure of things you can't control. Because most things in our lives we can't control anyway. But we thank God he's in control. And sometimes prayer is nothing more than an exercise in worry because we leave out the thanksgiving part. It's just, oh God. You know, you can worry to God too. But the thing that makes a difference is you not only rehearse what you need in prayer and petition, but then you thank him you thank him for it. And he says, the peace of God will pa- which passes understanding will keep your heart in mind. George Mueller, that great man of faith in Great Britain who ran orphanages basically on faith, he said, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith and the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. And thanksgiving keeps us directed in the, in the direction of faith. That's why Jesus could say in John 14, verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. This is the peace of God. He said the peace from God. This is Jesus' peace. We've been saying that the fruit of the Spirit represent the character of Jesus. Jesus, I'll actually give you my peace. That's why you don't always understand it. That's why the worst things in your life may be happening around you, but you're just being held. You're just being captivated by peace. You're in this bubble of peace that you don't understand because I can give you my peace. I don't give you as the world gives. Don't look for it there. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Jesus even said that. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And don't be afraid, because you can have my peace. And the next two chapters later, John 16, I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So what was that you were worrying about? (laughs) Now I want you to stand with me for a moment. And we're going to pray again. We just gave the problem people in our lives to the Lord. Because he promised peace. He can transform relationships. Now I want... Now I want you to give him every one of your anxiety. I want to invite you, if you're comfortable, just put your hands out here, open. Not clenched like I'm holding on to these things I want to worry about. I want, to give you, every con- I want you to give to the Lord every concern you have about your health. I want you to give to the Lord every financial worry you have right now. I want you to give to the Lord every uncertainty about your future, um, every decision you're worrying about right now. I just want you to just give it to the Lord right now. And Lord Jesus, here we are. We thank you for the peace of God that passes understanding. We thank you, O God, for your power and your grace. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, that you're our peace. And we pray you'll make us strong in faith. We pray that we will not worry, but that, Lord, every worry we give to you, and we petition you as a king to step in to everything we're worrying about. Step into our health. Step into our finances. Step in to decisions we need to make. Step in to every adverse situation in our lives. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, we make our requests known to you. And you said, the peace of God, which passes understanding, will keep We'll stand guard over our hearts and minds. And Lord, we just dare to believe that today. And so we give you everything we're worrying about right now. And in turn, with open hands, we just receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I just want to say over you as a congregation, just be filled with the Holy Spirit right now. Just be filled with His Spirit. Just be filled with His grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I'll give you peace, not as the world gives. Don't look that way. But Jesus said, my peace I'll give to you. Lord, thank you. By your spirit, we just receive your peace. We pray you'll just settle our hearts wherever they're in turmoil today. And we pray you'll just fill us with the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. And then just thank him right now. Just lift praise to him. Thank you for hearing us. Thank you, you're our king. Thank you, we belong to you. Thank you for peace that guards hearts and minds. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this radically different way of living in the spirit, walking in the fruit of the spirit, walking in love and joy and peace. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, you take control. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For it all in your name. Amen. I'd like you to be seated just for a few moments and take the communion cup, if you would, that you have. Because all of this starts and ends with God himself. Because we can have peace with him. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. That's because we're going to take the bread in a moment. When Jesus' body was broken, when Jesus' body was broken, um, he, he broke the power of our adversary. He, he broke the power of darkness. He brought life to us. And the Bible says by his wounds, because he was broken, we can be healed. And the peace of Jesus can invade every part of our lives and then we're going to take the cup which represents his blood shed and that's why in ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 paul says for he jesus himself is our peace and he goes on to say he's brought peace not only with people that would normally have nothing to do with each other and would hate each other in that context jews and gentiles but he not only makes them one, but he brings peace with God. And that's where it all starts. I mean it's hard to have peace if you're constantly fighting, if you're constantly in turmoil, and you're believing all those lies about yourself, like God doesn't love me, and I don't think I'll amount to anything and and all of these things. I mean I, I mean Jesus has come, he's put to death, all of that at the cross. And his body was broken so you could be healed in your heart and your life. And his blood was shed so you could be completely forgiven and there would be nothing between you and him. And you could be overwhelmed with his love. And that's why why Paul just profoundly proclaims, he is our peace who has broken down every wall. That was put to song during the Jesus People Movement way back when I was in college, and maybe some of you remember it. Pastor Josh, just lead us in that. Let's just sing that before we take communion together. He is our peace Who has
1: broken down the reward.
0: Jesus, as we take the bread, we celebrate you as our peace. Hallelujah. You've broken down every wall when your body was broken. And by your wounds were healed. And every barrier from you to you has been taken away. And Lord, we pray if our hearts are not surrendered to you, if we have been keeping you at arm's length, We'll just let you in at this moment. We'll let your forgiveness in. We'll let your peace in. We'll stop running from you. There's things we, 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 we don't understand, but Lord, we just in this moment surrender to you and be our peace, we pray. And thank you for giving your body for us. Let's take the bread together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for your presence here right now. We thank you for the cup as we just receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit right now because you washed us clean. You forgave us. You didn't retaliate against us. You forgave us. You didn't return evil for evil against us. And we might even reject you, but you, as far as you could, you built a bridge to us through your blood, and we thank you for this. And we just receive you, your forgiveness, your grace, your life. We just receive it in Jesus' name, and we praise you that you would shed your blood for us that we could know you and we say yes to you and we say thank you thank you for what you've done will you take the cup please just receive healing right now just receive the beauty of Jesus' presence right now in your life thank you Jesus just receive hope right now not anxiety but hope and life because he is our peace. We love you, Jesus. We honor you, and we praise you. Thank you, Jesus.